Chicago is more than great food, iconic sports, legendary music, and crooked politicians. It's a community of people who, at their core, care about one another and their city. We're chatting with new and native Chicagoans about all things local on The Chicagoan Podcast. Hello, I'm Alicia Dale. This is The Chicagoan Podcast. Today, we're welcoming Steve Faircow. Welcome, Steve. I'm delighted to be here, Alicia. You and I are both long-term South Loopers. You've been there since the 80s, when actually no one moved down there. And I was there since the 90s. What drew you to the South Loop in the 80s? Oh, pretty much my job and the ability to be four blocks from work. Um, I moved there the year that my company moved to uh, LaSalle in Congress. And having a four-block walk to work is pretty sweet. I agree with you. It's like the key to happiness. Well, you have a very unusual story, and you and I met in an unusual way. I was actually one of Carrie's climbers for the John Hancock, uh, Hustle Up the Hancock. Tell us a little bit about Carrie and how you got involved. Um, Carrie is a beautiful girl from Iowa, from Algona, Iowa, who saved my life 23 years ago. Um, She was a 17-year-old a uh, star middle hitter volleyball player on her high school uh, volleyball team. Um, she passed away in April 2000. Um, in the month before she passed away, she told her family twice how strongly she felt about organ donation. So when she passed, they knew exactly what she wanted. I was in Chicago. I was doing my best not to die. Mm-hmm. I have cystic fibrosis, and mm-hmm. my lung capacity was about 10 to 15% of expected. Mm-hmm. I was on oxygen around the clock. Uh, my wife and my family pounded on my chest for eight hours every single day to try to keep my lungs clear enough so that I could breathe. Um, on April 8th, 2000, I received Carrie's lungs, and this breathing stuff with real lungs blows my freaking mind. I never imagined that breathing would feel this amazing. Um, With my cystic fibrosis, I progressively got worse. Uh, I never had, I never had good lungs. Um, In my childhood, I was always picked last for any sports. Um, I always... I I don't want to say struggled. I didn't know anything else. Uh, It was just my life. Um, Constantly coughing, being malnourished, that was just the way I lived. Uh, So I didn't even realize how bad I was until I really got bad. Um, And then even then, I didn't have a frame of reference for what it would be like to breathe normally. Um, After I got Carrie's lungs... Um, like I said, this just blows my mind. I never imagined that life could be this easy, that I wouldn't be exhausted all of the time. Um, I learned about the Hustle Up the Hancock. I learned about uh, Respiratory Health Association. I was at a little, um, I was at a little health fair volunteering for, um, organ donation, telling people about that, and I saw their table. And they were t- 
touting their little climb. And I walked up to them and said, what's that about? Well, it turns out one of the, one of the women at the table had, a, had a, a relative with cystic fibrosis, and we chatted about that. I told her that maybe I'd like to try that. Um, I went home and I climbed 10 floors to our apartment. And after that, I said, eh, you know, I can probably do that. So I signed up for the half climb. They told me that they might be able to wiggle me into the full climb. Well, I couldn't say no, so I tried that. Um, that was 22 years ago. Uh, How many floors is the Hancock? How many floors is the full climb? The Hancock is 94 floors, uh, 94 floors and 1,600 plus steps. <laughs> um, it's it's a bit of a beast. Um it's not as bad as the Sears or the Willis Tower, uh, but it's um, it's it's an awesome event. Um, and and again, like you mentioned, that's how I met you. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a tendency of being abusive towards people when I meet them and recruiting them for the climb. That's the only abuse. <laughs> um, when I when I tell them about Carrie, when I tell them about her friends, when I tell them about what we do to honor her. And tell us about her friends. Um, I, I started learning, I learned about Carrie about a year and a half after I got my lungs. I exchanged, I exchanged um, letters, anonymous letters with her family. Um, her family invited me to meet them, uh, well, to share contact information to um, actually connect with each other directly instead of through an intermediary, through the hospitals or organ procurement organizations. Uh, It's a very private and a very anonymous situation initially. Um, I did establish contact with them. Um, Carrie's mom connected me with several of Carrie's friends. Um, One girl in particular, Jen, um, Carrie's mom let me know that she was struggling a lot with Carrie's death. Um, Jen connected with me um, the year after I learned of Carrie. Um, in her first email to me, she told me that we were already aware of the climb. I had already done the climb once. Um, my intent was pretty clear that I planned to do it again. Um, she connected with me and told me that um, she wanted to run with Carrie again. She was wow. running with Carrie the day before she passed uh, and told me that she was coming out. Um, Jen was one of the first uh, of Carrie's friends that I've climbed with. Um, I've climbed with about probably 30 since then, friends and family members and uh family of friends, and it's, it's been a crazy experience. Um, and they still come out every year. It's beautiful because it's also kind of like a little reunion for them. Uh, it's almost as if Carrie keeps them all together, and it means the whole world to me. And every time I think that this is becoming a bit of a burden to them, and it's costly. You know, it costs 
100 plus to join the climb. Then you have to pay for a hotel room and get out here and miss a day of work. And um, But every time that I start thinking that it's going to be a burden on them, then I'm hanging out with them all together and seeing the joy they have being with one another. Um, but yeah, it's... Um, and now they're starting to get married and have children. Yes. Um, I've, I've been to seven of their weddings. Um, their children, I, I'm seeing them grow up, and now they're old enough to climb. <laughs> so several of the, a number of their children have come out to climb with us, and it, it's very nice. That is beautiful. Now, I know that you are also fortunate enough to be um, a kidney recipient and with a, and from a live donor. Is that correct? That is absolutely correct. Um, I, one of the, uh, Jen was one of the first girls who came out, uh, but she also came out with another one of Carrie's friends named Alex. Um, Alex was one of the first of Carrie's friends that I met when we were El- in Algona meeting Carrie's family. Uh, we went to a little restaurant there, a little buffet, and um, bumped into Alex and Nick, who were Carrie's uh, Carrie's very close friends and neighbors. They lived across the creek from her out there, out her backyard. And um, well, Alex and I connected. Um, Alex came out with Jen, and she's climbed with us ever since as well. Um, Twelve years or ten years after I got Carrie's lungs, the drugs I take to keep her lungs gradually destroyed my kidneys. My kidneys were already slightly compromised because of all the drugs I took for my cystic fibrosis. Um, But within 10, 11 years, they were pretty trashed. Um... When Alex found out about that, I got a little note from her saying that uh, she's got an A-positive kidney with my name on it. Wow. Um, And about a year after that, she went through the battery of testing. Um, She um, apparently passed all those tests. I got a voicemail from her that I still have on my phone uh, telling me that uh, she knows that uh, University of Chicago can't tell me this, but she's a good match for me. And if I decide to take her over some other potential matches, that um, she just wanted me to know. And she wanted me to know that um, there apparently is a lot of good that comes from Algona, Iowa, and the girls who came from there. <laughs> and uh, she's uh, she's adorable. And uh, about a year after that message, on May 8th, she gave me one of her kidneys. Um, what's nice is that I, not, I can now tell people that I'm slowly being rebuilt into a girl from <laughs> Iowa. Um, and that usually works pretty well. Um, and I can tell you that um, I, uh, Iowa girls apparently have pretty strong organs. <laughs> and how did your health improve after receiving the kidney? How You talked about the mir- mir- miracle that happened with the lungs. How did it um, help with the new kidney? Well, it, it, mentally, mentally and physically. Mm. Um, you know, the, the thing is, 
I got my lungs. I had, I had 10 plus years that just blew my mind. Being able to climb 94 floors when before my lungs, I would look at a flight of stairs and it was like Mount Everest. Um, I'd take them a couple steps at a time on oxygen, stop and wait and get, catch my breath, a couple more steps. Now I'm going up 94 floors. I'm not saying it's not a problem, but it's doable. I could do it right now. Um, and after going through 10 years of that, and then your kidneys starting to fail, things starting to get a little more tiresome, things starting to get a little more problematic. But the worst part is that you know that the possibility is that you're going to lose all of this. Uh, that, you know, I don't, um, dialysis is a really rough road. Um, and a lot of us don't necessarily survive that long on dialysis. And I've got other complications that would make that even more difficult. Um, so looking at all those possibilities and then to have someone who throws you a rope, Someone who says, I've got your back. Don't worry about this. Um, whether it even happened or not, at that moment, you're on, the, on top of the world. It's, uh, it's an amazing gift. And after that, uh, I just went on with my normal life, which already was amazing to me. To a normal person, it's walking around. You know, it's... Um, but for me... Knowing what I went through before, I'm 23 years post-transplant, and I still think about breathing every day. I don't always think about peeing every day, uh, but it's still happening, and I still think about uh, Carrie and Alex and, and all our friends and the people who surrounded them. There are people right now waiting for a donor, um, and it's a difficult road. Do you have any advice or insights for them to keep their spirits up and so that they can maintain that hope um, for their friends and their families? That's, it is a difficult road, and it is, it's, as, it's, it's as much physical as it is, it's as much mental as it is physical. Um, I don't, I'm not sure how I made it. I mean, I, um, my, I've been with my wife for damn near 35 years. I should know that exact number, but you know, um, I think it was, we celebrated our 34th. Um, but she's always been there for me and always cared for me. I've been with, I've been around so many people who've been there to help when I needed it. Uh, one of the difficult things is to realize that, um, is, well, to realize that, but also allow yourself to take advantage of that. Um, I don't know how many people who surrounded us, who loved us, who wanted nothing more than to help us. But I and my stubborn-ass little self <laughs> wanted to be independent. I wanted to be able to do this myself. 
Well, sometimes you need a hand. Sometimes you need some help. And when you've got a lot of people who want to help you, let them do it. Allow them. Oftentimes they feel honored by reaching out and being able to help you. Let them do that. Uh, that, to me, is very important. Um, another thing that's important to me or that I've learned over the years is to try to avoid fantasizing about what could go wrong. Deal with the present. Um, I had a, a doctor who took... I, I had two doctors who took care of me for 25, 30 years. Um, one of those took care of me during my CF years. Um, one of the things that I'll always always remember and used to snicker about what he said until I really understood what it meant was he said he was talking to a group of medical students and telling them when you're trying to diagnose something, when you're trying to figure out what this person is dealing with, if you hear the sound of hoofbeats, don't assume it's zebra. Um, you know, it might not be some fancy exotic disease. It might be a freaking cold. Um, the other thing that the other thing that he said that stuck with me, I was having a particularly panicked moment. Um, I'd had a collapsed lung in the past. I didn't know how I'd be able to survive another one. Um, I came into his office and I was not in a really good place. I had been seeing, seeing him every two weeks. He suggested, you know, maybe we can push this off and I'll see you every month. I exploded. He realized that there was more to that than I was leading on. And he sat me down and dug into what's wrong here. And then he told me, um, try not to imagine what's going wrong in the future. Try not to think about collapsed lungs, about all the other possibilities of what might be wrong. Um, if you're dealing with cancer or potentially dealing with cancer, if you're dealing with other diseases, you know about all the obstacles in front of you. What he was telling me was, don't think about all those obstacles. Get through today and let me think about those. And if and when we come upon them, we'll deal with them then. Deal with what's in the present. Deal with the problem that you're encountering now, today. Let him worry about what's going to happen in the future. Um... I've kind of taken or tried to take that to heart. It's not always easy. <laughs> you find something that they see something odd on an x-ray or a scan or something like that. Whoa, your mind is already going off in 10 different directions about what this could possibly be. But then I have to rein it in and say, no. Until they tell me what that is and what we're going to do about it, let's not fantasize about my next problem and how much this is going to hurt when they try to fix it. And... Such good advice. Yeah, it, it's gotten me through quite a bit. Um, doesn't always work, um, but it at least reigns me in sometimes. 
I remember, too, you once sharing the story of you and Laura getting married, and you were somewhat reluctant, and you you shared how Laura was really persistent. Do you have anything to share about that story? Oh, yeah. She's a pushy pain in the ass. Well, I, you know, I, I don't, I'm not sure about uh, reluctance. Um, my thing was I needed both of us to know what we were getting into. Um, and when we started getting serious, um, I was in love with her from the get-go. Uh, but, uh, and still am. Um, and I hope, I think it's the same. I, I think it's returned. Um, but when we started dating, at some point when it sounded like this was getting serious, um, we had to sit down and have a talk. And at the time, lung transplant wasn't a likelihood or a possibility. Um, there weren't the, some of the amazing drugs that they've got out on the market right now that, you know, to me are, are incredible for CF patients and families. But um, I told her that the likelihood of me living 10 years is slim to none. Um, and that I could get a bug that might take me out in, you know, six weeks. Um, she decided to take that chance. That is so beautiful. Um, it is. And she um, told me, um, where was I going? Um, she she was willing to uh, to take she the chance take and the risk to, she knew. to have some years of the relationship the way we had it it's beautiful was worthwhile um 25 years later we had our um 25th anniversary celebration and we renewed our vows um at Blackie's over by us sure um we had uh, one of the bartenders from uh, Hackney's uh, was our minister. Oh. Got his credentials on on the Google. Um, Laura said in her vows that this should have been her. This this was supposed to be a starter marriage. Mm -hmm. That she should be on her second wealthy, good-looking husband by now. Mm -hmm. um, I said in my vows that it really appears that medical issues are not going to take my life. That I'm assuming now that that's going to come struggling under a pillow held firmly in place by Laura after I've said something exceptionally stupid. So, so, so Steve, when I met you, I signed up for the hustle of, on the Hancock right away. If other people want to join next February, how do they find out about it? Can they become one of Carrie's climbers? Um, how, how would people find out? Of, of course, I take all comers. Um, you can Google uh, Carrie's climbers. Two Ks, K-A-R-I, apostrophe S, Climbers, K-L-I-M-B-E-R-S. Or I have a website, uh, www.climbingforcary, C-L-I-M-B-I-N-G for carry, dot org. Um, there's usually links to that. They need to be updated. It has some of um, mine, Carrie's, and Alex's story. Uh, and generally around hustle time, sign up is usually in early November. Uh, I have links to get to our team. Outstanding. Thank you so much for all sure. your time today. This has been so informative. Thank you for inviting me. I There's not too many things I love more than 
talking about Carrie and Alex. 